Welcome to the Healthy Podcast, presented by Melrose Wakefield Hospital. My name is Rob Branya, and I am pleased to welcome today's guests. Dr. Lewis Rhinus is a colorectal surgeon at Melrose Wakefield Hospital, and Tori Parsons is a registered dietitian at Melrose Wakefield Hospital. Thank you both for being here, and welcome to the Healthy Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Rob, for uh, having us. This is really a delight, and uh, we look forward to discussing uh, healthy uh, healthy dietary choices and uh, what better month that it could be than uh, colorectal cancer awareness month, too. Great. Um, so there's an old, there's a famous old saying that we are what we eat. And these days, with seemingly less time for meal prep and the ease of fast processed foods becoming in the norm, Many are wondering just where that places us if we truly are what we eat. Today's guests both have tremendous firsthand experience in gauging how our diets can affect our physical health. Dr. Rhinus, let's start with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you see the role of diet and how it affects your surgical patients? And it, talk a little bit about some of the things that you see and how diet can influence people's physical health. So, uh, Rob, that's, uh, that's really an excellent, excellent question. And I think um, it's more applicable than ever now um, since we have so many uh, dietary choices and, you know, uh, there's just so much variety to eat out there. And um, we all want to be healthy. But um, with regard to dietary choices, um, I see a lot of conditions uh, from across the spectrum of uh, disease, from hemorrhoids to people's fistulas to people with diverticulitis to people with colorectal cancer. And um, common to all these conditions is um, inflammation. And that, um, that tremendous amount of inflammation uh, in the body can oftentimes be triggered by some of the Western diets um, that people uh, that people eat that can be high in saturated fats and some of the refined grains and um, sugar that's quote high in glycemic uh, index that can really uh, lead to um, uh, you know deposition of uh, fat and uh, as we call it visceral obesity and just make people tremendously unhealthy and put them at risk of developing these conditions for which. Um, they seek care from me. And um, we're trying to really change the, um, the paradigm, you know, to disease prevention and healthy living habits. And um, making some of these healthier choices, you know, I think can really possibly be preventive of a lot of uh, the diseases that we see. And, um, you know, if people really chose to you know, change their dietary ways. They might even put me out of business. <laughs> Tori, from your perspective as a registered dietitian, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you see in your practice and, you know, how these issues affect people? Yeah, of course. So like Dr. Reina said, like diet is really going to affect some of the outcomes in development, progress, and um, management of a lot of chronic illnesses, especially when it has to do with the GI tract and the colon. Um, and we're learning continually what aspects of the diet and what over time is contributing to these things. So a lot of what Dr. Reina says, like saturated fat, um, refined carbohydrates, 
they're having a lot more impact in our gut, but we're not finding out about it until it's maybe too late or until something's already started. So a big part of what I do is try to help prevent progression and development of these diseases, um, which we can all do right now, even with small changes. Um, and there's a lot of good research coming out that coming out all the time that um, is helping us and giving us tools to make these changes. Um, and while we continue to learn that evidence, the market that we have in our food system also is changing to help move some of these trends closer to being more accessible and making little changes or big changes, um, but making those things easier. So what's the go-to moment here? Um, we're, we're hearing that the food choices have not been great based on what's out there. So where should we all be headed? In an ideal world, uh, you know, uh, I've reviewed some evidence and some uh, documentary series. And, you know, there is a lot of evidence that the earliest uh, human beings before you know, uh, the advent of modern day technology and the industrial revolution were really um, hunters and gatherers and really relied more on plant-based food. And um, I think we're sort of hearkening back to our roots um, and to our ancestors in, uh, you know, maybe eliminating some of these uh, animal-based fats um, some milk and dairy as well as eggs, which can really promote some of this inflammation, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we talk about making some of these changes, uh, these dietary changes, but a lot of people actually find that they feel a lot better when they make these dietary changes and, you know, their weight's better, their mood's better. Um, some of the uh, belly aches they have or problems with their bowel movements actually improve tremendously after making some of these changes. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of been an awakening for me over the past few years, you know, not only changing my dietary habits and my family's, but also for making recommendations to my patients and seeing how much better they do with these changes. Yeah. I think you made some great points. Um, I think in general, if we could all move to some improvements in our diet of getting more fiber, more fruits and vegetables, more whole grains, those are really the big changes that the evidence is showing are going to make really big improvements for us in our health. So we're not talking about fad diets. We're talking about your diet in terms of the way that you live and the choices that you consistently make. Um, and I think that's an important distinction to make here. Yes. And I think there are probably a lot of people who fear that, thinking that it might be very difficult to switch to more plant-based diet. But there are easier ways to sort of get involved to make it not seem quite so scary. Does that sound right? Yeah. And, and I really love the distinction that you're making with diet is not mean that you're going to go keto or you're going to... I don't know, make whatever, you know, crazy change that it's specifically to lose weight or anything like that. The diet is the pattern that you follow with your eating habits. So making any small change is just a way to, you know, 
eat day to day, maintain your nutrition, nutrition status. Maybe you are trying to reach a specific goal through that diet, or maybe you're just trying to make some small changes that are going to help improve your diet and your health. Tori and uh, Rob make some excellent, excellent points with regards to this. A lot of people, Americans sort of, uh, you know, have this uh, concept that, oh, you know, it's all or nothing with a change or some extremes. But um, what I tell my patients and in my personal experience, it's uh, smaller changes towards your goal. You know, if you break it down into smaller steps, it's more manageable. You know, some people are like, oh, you know, here I have to, you know, completely change everything. And that can be really, um, you know, not only expensive, but it can be very difficult to sort of maintain those changes over a long period. So people start with experimenting, incorporating small parts of the diet, or I don't even want to say diet, just in terms of your your eating pattern pattern. and this just makes all the difference uh you know as they sort of gain some momentum in terms of how they feel you know maybe their belly aches are gone maybe they don't have as much uh as many diverticulitis attacks their hemorrhoids aren't bothering them yeah yeah i think um maybe skipping ahead here but you know given that kind of the main idea here with this, with it being colorectal cancer month. And, um, kind of our, our main goal here is to talk about more of a plant-based diet and shifting towards that. I think it's so important, especially as a dietitian, that we really try to stress that, you know, this isn't that all or nothing change and making those small changes is helpful, but I really like to look at it. And I always try to explain to my patients and their families as this is an opportunity to include more of these positive changes in your diet and really not as much as something restrictive that you can't have this, you can't have that, or you're going to have terrible health or anything. It's an opportunity to include these more plant-based foods, maybe try some plant-based proteins that you wouldn't have normally tried and impacting your health in a really positive way at the same time. And Dr. Ennis, I would imagine that after someone has been through a surgical procedure uh, because of it, Um, issues that they're having in their colorectal system, it's a perfect time to do a bit of a reset for people. Um, And and how have you sort of helped people bridge over to that? And uh, Rob, that is an excellent point. And I think, you know, I've been in a practice now approaching about 11 years. And what you begin to realize about um, the spectrum of colorectal health and not only disease, is that you have a real opportunity to make an impact on people's lives, not just at that exact moment from your surgery, but in terms of maybe impacting their lifestyle choices and not only leading up to surgery, which I call prehabilitation. And that includes, you know, some dietary changes that I introduce as well and sort of getting stronger for surgery. But also afterwards, I really stress to these people that in addition to, you know, maybe healthy weight loss, um, if, you know, obesity is contributing to their uh, condition, moderate, moderating their alcohol intake, quitting cigarette smoking, but also in that, increasing their physical activity and incorporating this shift 
towards a plant-based diet, eliminating some of these, uh, or, or not, I wouldn't say even eliminating, at least trying to transfer or shift the momentum towards foods that are less inflammatory, such as um, charcoal grilled meats, which can release some chemicals that can be damaging to the lining of the colon and are thought to sort of start the uh, process of cancer formation. And some of that is related to diverticulitis as well. And I've actually followed some of these patients longitudinally. uh, And my anecdotal evidence is that they're happier, they do better. And, you know, they live a life that's not only more apt to be cancer free, but free of diverticulitis attacks. And those patients with Crohn's or colitis can also benefit from this. So it's all positive, all positive for these people. Great. And I'm sure that there's a lot of factors out there. And Tori, maybe you can help with this. Um, People's time you know, we're all busy, we're running home from work, and we're picking up the kids from soccer practice. And then to sit down and prepare a full meal um, that's a lot more thoughtful towards plant-based foods. Um, The cost of fresh produce um, is, can be at times close to prohibitive. Um, Are there ways, are there tips that people can help sort of ease into this process? Um, ways that we can make it a little bit easier for folks. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of what I try to stress to patients and families anyways, because even if the cost isn't as huge a factor, it's always nice to know. It's always nice to know you're saving a little money. Um, And actually a plant-based diet can be really cost effective. Um, So whether it's, you know, if fresh produce, you're like, you know, I'm not going to buy all this fresh produce again because, you know, I buy that package of spring mix and then it's wilted and yucky and, you know, by the time I remember that it's even there. So what do you do instead? There's a lot of different produce that one, just plain old lasts a lot longer. I'll have broccoli sitting in my fridge for a week and it's still great. You know, um, frozen can also be a really good option. It's usually frozen veggies, um, and fruits, as long as they're not in any kind of prepared sauces or anything. Um, they're frozen, frozen quickly so that they maintain a lot of their integrity and they're at the peak of their freshness. So you can defrost those in a variety of ways. You know, you can boil it, you can microwave it, you can steam it, you can do whatever you want with it. And you still get a lot of that, um, good benefit from the produce. Um, some other things you can do, like if you were going to cook like meat for dinner one day, I think, you know, a lot of people revert back to, okay, I'm going to have a meat starch and a vegetable and that's how they plan a meal. So if you're looking at it from a slightly different perspective and you're starting with, okay, let me choose my produce first. Okay. What's in the fridge? Oh, I have some carrots, you know, those last forever in the fridge, some onions. Okay. Just chop those up, toss them on a pan and they're going to roast in the oven for half hour or so. Um, Okay, well, what else should we have? Well, choose a plant-based protein or something. They make a lot of different um, pre-prepared veggie burgers now that could be a good option. Some of them are varying degrees of um, maybe healthfulness, quote-unquote. They're super easy to make at home. But again, that's a, a consideration of time. But sometimes it's about trying to find, you know, an hour on a Sunday maybe to like, okay, I'm going to make this and we're going to have it all week long. 
And then you're saving all that time all week long. Um, but back to, you know, trying to plan that meal. So you've chosen some produce. You've chosen, okay, let's think of a plant-based protein. Well, if you're going to buy, you know, say ground hamburger or something, if you were to buy instead, you know, dried beans or even canned beans, you can rinse them and they're, you know, great. You're getting a ton of really good plant-based fiber. They're already cooked. If you know, if you do a canned version and they can be added to so many recipes so quickly and easily, and they give you a great source of protein, all those great benefits for your colon, all that fiber and phytochemicals and everything. And you're still getting enough nutrition, you know, you're not going to go protein deficient all of a sudden. Um, and then, you know, you can balance that out with, you know, some nights I do want, you know, a little meat, but treating meat more as like an accompaniment or a, a condiment maybe at, instead of the main portion of the meal, because that is one way that the, um, that your meal is going to become shifted towards more of those things that we want to include. And you're not necessarily deprived of the, um, the meat aspect or the, you know, the more processed aspect, but you're making it a smaller portion of your meal and focusing on those other areas that honestly, they're going to fill you up a lot more and you might not even have room for that other stuff. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's making those little changes that can be really helpful. The roast, the roasted vegetables uh, for my family are a big hit. Um, also some of the ground tofu, my kids, uh, when we have taco night, you know, no more sour cream and we'll have ground tofu and my kids still think it's, uh, it's meat. And, um, that's been like a big hit. So you can just see right there, um, with those sort of, uh, substitutions, you sort of can sort of change the hearts and minds of even young children who aren't conditioned, uh, uh, eating some of, uh, uh, the, the way, you know, we've been conditioned to eat over the past 40, 50 years of our life. It's much easier for kids. Yep. I heard an interesting term in there, uh, protein deficient. And I think we hear that argument from people a lot um, when they're asked to eat more plant-based foods. Um, are there people who should be consulting with their physicians before making the switch? And are there medical conditions that maybe, you know, there should be a little bit more discussion with a dietitian or, or your physician before sort of jumping into this. And are there recommendations for that? Oh, absolutely. Um, there are definitely some conditions that do have um, to be con more considerate of protein and the content, whether that's high or low. Um, but in general, if you have any kind of chronic conditions or at high risk of any chronic conditions, I would absolutely recommend discussing with your doctor or a registered dietitian um, before making any major changes to your diet, because we certainly don't want to start making changes and then cause a different problem that we weren't expecting. Okay. Um, well, we are unfortunately reaching the end of our time here, but this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, and I, I'd like to throw it out uh, to each of you, any closing thoughts um, or, or, you know, considerations uh, about all of this, Dr. Rennes? So um, I've always uh, thought about some interesting quotes, but I, I encourage you to treat your food as medicine or else you'll be taking your medicine as food. And if you stop and think about that for um, a minute, it can be quite prescient and maybe it could really inspire some change in your lifestyle um, as we uh, approach spring 
and spring anew and maybe make some changes? I, I think for me, the most important thing as a dietitian is for people to remember that, you know, no matter what new evidence or new study or whatever comes out in the things that we know the best are that diets that are rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, um, plant-based proteins, those are going to always be the healthiest for us really no matter what else, you know? So, you know, with the caveat, of course, of if you have a certain chronic condition and then of course talk with your doctor, but it's not about what we know that these foods and these components of the diet are always going to be helpful for promoting our health. So it's more about trying to include these things, these other foods, you know, the produce, the whole grains, and less of the more refined grains and things like that. So that's going to be the best. All right. Great. This has been a great discussion. Thank you both, Dr. Lewis Rhinus, colorectal surgeon at Melrose Wakefield Hospital. Thank and, you, Rob. Thank you, Tori. And Tori Parsons, registered dietitian at Melrose Wakefield Hospital. And since it is March, and we have mentioned this earlier, I do want to remind people, um, if you are ages 45 or older, um, be sure to be scheduling your colonoscopy. Uh, Colon cancer and colorectal cancer are in many cases preventable, and it is something definitely worth doing. And with that, If you've enjoyed this podcast or have feedback for us or want to suggest future topics, please drop us a note at community at melrosewakefield.org. The Healthy Podcast is co-produced by Melrose Wakefield Hospital and Wakefield Community Access Television. For more information, listings of community events and lectures, or to find a doctor, visit melrosewakefield.org. All content heard on The Healthy Podcast was created for informational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified provider with any questions you may have regarding medical conditions.